This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'd like to welcome everyone to the worship of the Lord Christ this morning, especially those of you who are visiting with us today. You are our honored guest in the house of the Lord. If everyone could take a moment to sign the friendship register, and if you're visiting, give us some additional information, such as your email address and telephone number. We'd love to share with you more about what's happening here at Brick Presbyterian Church. There's a call, a congregational meeting will be called for October 1st, immediately following the service of worship. The session has called this congregational meeting for the purpose of requesting Presbytery to dissolve the pastoral relationship between the Reverend Dr. Kim Jackson and the Brick Presbyterian Church. Please join us next Sunday, immediately following worship. We also have a wonderful opportunity of service for you. Join us Saturday, September the 30th for a family-friendly morning of impact in the Bronx. We will team up with the Grass, Grass Roots Grocery to work together to unload a truck filled with 10,000 pounds of unsold produce rescued from the biggest produce market in the United States. We will then deliver it to local distribution refrigerators. More information can be found on the website with the direct link to sign up. We hope you will do so and make a difference filling those people filled with hunger. Also, uh, we have a wonderful moment for mission right now from Elder, Elder Jane Mukadam. Good morning. I'm Jane Mukadam incoming chair of the Seminary Field Intern Committee of the Session of the Brick Church. This morning, I would like to particularly recall the blessings of Stuart and Clifford Neely, whose generous support over many years make our intern program as robust and fulfilling as it is. I'd also like to thank the members of my committee for their work during the past year to support the interns and to bring us this year's impressive group of seminary students. I'd like to introduce them one by one to you now. Uh, first of all, we have uh, Rob D'Alessandro. Rob joins us from the Princeton Theological Seminary. We have Henry Anyomi, who joins us from Drew Seminary. Uh, for your information, it's the first time we've had a student from Drew, and we're excited to expand our uh, group of seminaries participating in the program. And last, but certainly not least, is Sean Boss, who many of you will recognize because he was here last year and didn't want to leave, so we welcomed him back again for his second year. It's not the first time we've had interns for a couple of years running, and we're thrilled that he's still with us. He joins us from Yale Divinity School. The seminarians are involved in many aspects of our life at Brick. Uh, this year, in particular, they will be participating in the new Wednesday worship service, uh, which is at 6 p.m. here in the sanctuary. The first one was this past Wednesday. It's a lovely time in the middle of the week, and I urge you to join whenever you're able. Uh, they also will participate in Sunday worship, as you see, confirmation class, Sunday school, and various committee work, 
as well as the other events of our church during the time they're with us. They'll be with us through their academic year until the spring, and there'll be many opportunities to engage with them. Please join me in welcoming each of them this morning at coffee hour, and you can learn more about their specific roads and backgrounds on the website. Thank you. Please rise as you're able for our call to worship. All creation looks to God for supply and sustenance. God's generosity has no end. But for God's loving kindness, now in hand, we will be consumed. By God's spirit, the earth is refreshed. As with heaven's dew, may the Lord delight in God's works as our voices resound in heaven. God is great and deserves our worship. Come, let's extol God's name. Amen.
Let us pray. God of splendor and beauty, you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the source and goal of everything that takes part in your wonderful creation. Each one of your creatures, large and small, east and west, north and south, exists to bring you praise, to enjoy your love, and to proclaim your grace, grace that is from everlasting to everlasting, grace that reaches to the least and the lowest, grace made concrete and tangible in the death-defeating life, death, and resurrection of your blessed Son, Jesus the Christ, who teaches us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now join our voices and confess our sins to God. Lord, you have loved us immeasurably through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He has blessed us with salvation, but we have sought other paths to find meaning and hope. We have allowed our fears to erode our trust in you and the path to life that you have given us. Give us strength to live as people of your way, filled with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen. everlasting to everlasting, I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. Um, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To this peace we were called as members of one body. The peace of Christ be with you. Let us greet one another in the name of Christ. Sean, be with you. Good to see you.
seated. And at this time, I'd like to invite all the children forward for a children's message. So please come on forward and join me on these steps. Good morning. Okay, can you help save my seat for me? Perfect. Okay, good morning everybody. Can you guys try to say that? Can you say good morning? All right, we'll try one more time. Good morning, everybody. Oh, that was a good one. You had some help from some adults, too. Can anybody tell me what this big book is that I just brought up here? The Bible. Well, can anybody tell me what's in the Bible? It's a tough one, right? What's in the Bible? Stories about Jesus. That's a great answer. How about some other answers? Stories about God and stories about Jesus. Jesus being more in the New Testament. Because he wasn't born in the Old Testament. That's wonderful. Does anybody know any of the names of the books of the Bible? Go for it, Una. Genesis. So that's an Old Testament. Perfect. Anybody know a New Testament one? Mark? Perfect. Do you know what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all have in common? What? They were all disciples. Does anybody know what a disciple is? That's right, somebody who believed Jesus. They were Jesus' followers. And so what's amazing about those stories is those are the people who were closest to Jesus at the time Jesus was alive. And then they wrote those stories down for us, and we made a collection of them so we could remember all the most accurate stories of Jesus. And I'm going to show you a reason why it was so important. Una, can you sit next to me one more time? And then we're going to play a game. Has anybody ever played the game called Telephone? Okay. So we're going to play the game Telephone. Will you sit next to Katie? Will you come up here for just a second? Allison, you might want to move down one seat. Just trying to help you out here. Come on up here. We're going to play Telephone with all of you four on this top row. Una, I'm going to start with you, okay? You, how about you skip to her? Just be, well, you can try. 
This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. So you guys got the whole first half, which is excellent, but we missed a little part of it. Una, did you remember the whole one? See, so Una, who was closest to me, got the whole one, but once it went through a couple people, we lost a little bit of the story. So if you noticed, all of Tom's sermons in the title, which I can't find in this bulletin, say something about story. And then we all sang that song, this is my story, this is my song. So I wanted you all to know that these stories in the Bible are so important for us to read because they're the closest to Jesus that we can get. Would you all please clasp your hands, close your eyes, bow your heads, and repeat after me? Would everybody please do that with us? Dear God, we thank you for your story and for including us in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Excellent, everybody. Now you all get to go to Sunday school. So could everybody please stand up with me and follow the people with the signs. Thank you. Have a great day. As the story of salvation continues this week, we encounter a God who acts in history to create freedom and hope. 
For generations, the Jews lived peaceably in Egypt. But as we will hear, a new king arose that did not know Joseph. Dear God, you act in history to free your people. In the hearing of your word, may we find strength for our task to bring your freedom to all. Amen. Exodus chapter 1, verses 8 through 14, and chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase and in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Pithom and Ramesses for Pharaoh. But the more the Israelites were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread them. The Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then God said, Come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. God said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. 
the cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So come, I will send you to Moses to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For a few weeks now, we have been exploring the one story of the Bible, God's salvation history of love. We began in paradise, and then the following week, we encountered the fall of humanity. But the story doesn't stand still. And now, God has a chosen people, and these chosen people find themselves in Egypt due to a famine. And that is where our story this morning begins. I hope in the reading of it you felt the weight of the history of the enslavement of the Israelite people. And we find that this story creates the most unlikely of heroes from a surprising chain of events. A young mother stands on the banks of the River Nile, and she's taken her beloved son, and in the midst of the rushes, she places him in a basket on that river, on a hope, on an impossible prayer. It's necessary because the most simplest of words has created the most horrifying of situations, created because of the Pharaoh. When they first arrived in Egypt, they were welcome and known to the Pharaoh. But as the text tells us, a new Pharaoh arose that did not know Joseph. And because the Pharaoh did not know Joseph, Joseph, he uttered the simplest and most terrifying of words that have destroyed the world ever since. They are more numerous than us. This has been humanity's eternal challenge since the very beginning. And it's what continues to plague our world today, dividing the world up into they and us. In this story, God stands in stark contrast to that of the Pharaoh. Expert on Exodus, Terence Fretham, 
explains. Knowing means more than acquaintance or being informed. It bespeaks a relationship of depth, depth in which there is a commitment to those who are known. The king of Egypt does not know. This effect has a profound difference on doing. Not knowing leads to oppression. Knowing leads to liberation. And because they were more numerous than us, the Pharaoh enslaved the, Jew the Jews. And so God says to Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. And I have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. And I am aware of their sufferings. And I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them out to a good and spacious land. Even to this day, when the Jews recite these texts, they do so as if they personally experience this liberation event when they recite the words, God delivered us. This story becomes their story. And they recite even more when God tells them, remember you were slaves in the land of Egypt, but God delivered you with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. They both feel the horror of their history of enslavement but also the power and compassion of a God who rescued them. And so because of this event, because of this liberation, this story has set a pattern for oppressed peoples everywhere and throughout history. Because Yahweh, by nature, is a God of freedom and a God of hope a God of justice, a God of action, and a God of power. This summer, Wendy and I spent some time in the Berkshires once again. And while we were there, we came across the childhood home of W.E.B. Du Bois. As one commentator described him, the African-American thinker and activist whose writings influenced generations of freedom fighters. He was born on February 23rd, 1868. There's no house left there anymore, but it has become a national historic landmark, and there is a self-guided tour through the forest. He studied in Germany and earned his doctorate at Harvard. He spoke on voting rights and worked and wrote for justice, not only for blacks in America, but for people of African descent all around the globe. He was a leading intellectual in the, in the nascent civil rights movement and an ardent peace activist. His work grew out of fundamental truths about humanity and his understanding of God. He writes, believe in life. Humans will always progress to greater, broader, and fuller life. 
And he continues, I believe in the liberty for all, the space to stretch their arms and their souls, the right to breathe and the right to vote, the right to choose their friends and enjoy the sunshine and ride the railroads, uncursed by color, thinking, dreaming, and working as they will in a kingdom of beauty and love. And then we discover the foundation of these thoughts. I believe in God, who made of one blood all nations that on earth do dwell. I believe that all, black and brown and white, are brothers, varying through opportunity and form and gift and feature, but differing in no essential particular alike in soul, and the possibility of infinite development. Now God continues to use people in this story of liberation. If we think about it for a moment, God could have just zapped Pharaoh out of existence and brought a new, more friendly Pharaoh. But God chooses servants, like Dr. Du Bois and Moses. Now, the Presbyterian Church has sought to be a part of God's liberating activity and has done something amazing in not only liberating minds, but in closing some of the rifts between they and us. In, of all places, Lahore, Pakistan. There's a Presbyterian school there, Foreman Christian College, over 100 years old, and was founded by a Presbyterian missionary. All students sign a covenant to respect the dignity of all, to maintain good moral values and tolerance and dedicate to your education. Emeritus pastor of Peachtree Presbyterian Church in Atlanta, Vic Pence noted, Muslim students who make up three-quarters of the student body are well aware that their education is due to a Christian witness. And one of the students there, Javid, tells the story of how he sees this happening. A prominent Sunni Muslim parent in Pakistan came seeking to enroll his daughter in the school. At home, a short while later, the girl, now a student at the school, heard a shouting match. A shouting match between Sunnis and Shiites in her family's living room. Now, Javid said the biggest problem, at least at the time in Pakistan, was inter-religious conflict but that the Presbyterian school presents a model by which you can work and live together. And that's what that young girl learned, and so she went in the midst of the conflict in her family's home. She said, my teacher has taught me that we are all children of God, and we should be living in peace. And the shouting stopped. Healing the disaster of they and us 
is the work of God's people everywhere. But oftentimes it's hard work. Moses didn't want to do it. He had left Egypt. He had fled that terrible situation of slavery there. He had a a, a wife. He was a shepherd now. He had a home. He had found peace and contentment. But as that saying goes, God comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable, unfortunately for Moses. Thus the burning bush. Now, as a leading intellectual of his time, W.E.B. Du Bois showed how the power of the mind given by God can lead to this liberation. And this is the hope of Brick Church in many of the ministries that it engages in. It's the hope of the African Dream Academy, since, as W.E.B. Du Bois said, God is a God of the infinite possibility of development. And the African Dream Academy is doing this work of liberation in, of all places, Liberia. The same word, freedom. But Brick is not only doing it across the ocean, but right here in New York City, through scholarships to our school, through the Summer Steps program to help children be ready for the greatest schools in this city. All with the hope to allow each person, each child, to discover their infinite possibility of development. Now, in the end, the Bible shows us, despite the modern movie mania, There are no superheroes, no people fighting, as the old Superman slogan goes, fighting for truth, justice, and the American way. There are no pure heroes. But God uses unlikely people like Moses so that when the liberation happens, People will say, if Moses could do it, this must be some kind of God. The type of God who frees us with a mighty hand and calls you and calls me to offer that outstretched arm to lift people up when they have fallen. May all of us stretch our arms out as wide as we possibly can so we can help liberate as many people and continue this amazing story of God's salvation history. Amen.
We want to make sure when these elders and deacons kneel that they have some cushions upon which to do that. As Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but it is the same Spirit who gives them. There are different ways of serving God, but it is the same Lord who is served. To each of us is given a gift of the Spirit to be used for the common good. And within the community of the church, some are called to particular service as deacons, elders, ministers of the word and sacrament, and as trustees. Ordination and installation is Christ's gift to the church, assuring that his work continues among us. At, <clears throat> at its congregational meetings on May 10th and September 10th, the congregation of the Brick Presbyterian Church elected men and women to serve as elders, deacons, and trustees. On behalf of the congregation, I present the following individuals to be ordained, installed, and recognized as elders, deacons, or trustees. Please come forward as I call your name. As elders, Susan D. Austin, Shelby Spears Carroll, E. Graham Clark, Horace I. Crary Jr., Pam Dixon Thorpe, Mark Dingle, Holly Miller, Oscar Slaughterbeck, Jay Steen, and Mario Verdolini Jr. I missed, who? I missed Martha Higgins, I'm so sorry. <laughs> As deacons, David Bergen, Allison Elliott Ayers, James Dalvito, Catherine Eubanks, Thomas Heath IV, Matthew Libby, Lawrence Minicone, Christopher M. Seck, Mark Tillinghast Jr., and Natasha Wolf. As trustees, Harold P. Hope III and Kirsten Morgan. Will all the elders and deacons elect now answer the vows of ordination as well as those who have already been ordained in order to reaffirm your intention to follow this calling? Do you trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior, acknowledge him Lord of all and head of the church, and through him believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, do you? Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be, by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ in the church universal and God's word to you, do you? 
Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as expressed in the confession of our church as authentic and reliable expositions of what scripture believes, uh, leads us to believe and do? And will you be instructed and led by these confessions as you lead the people of God? Do you and will you? Will you fulfill your office in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of Scripture and be continually guided by our confessions? Will you? Will you be governed by our church's polity and will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry, working with them, subject to the ordering of God's word and spirit? Will you? Will you in your life seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbors, and work for the reconciliation of the world? Will you? And do you promise to further the peace, unity, and purity of the church? Do you? And will you serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? Will you? And to the elders elect only, will you be a faithful elder, watching over the people, providing for their worship, nurture, and service? And will you share in government and discipline, serving in governing bodies of the church and in your ministry? Will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? And to the deacons elect only, will you be a faithful deacon, teaching charity, urging concern and directing the people's help to the friendless and those in need. In your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? And for the trustees, do you welcome your work as a trustee and promise to serve with faithfulness, integrity, and love, and by your service build up the church of Jesus Christ? Do you? Do we, the members of the church, accept these officers chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ? And do we agree to encourage them to respect their decisions and to follow as they guide us serving Jesus Christ, who alone is head of the church? And now we ask that those are ordained as elders and ministers of word and sacrament to please come forward for the laying on of hands. And will those standing before us who are being ordained today, if you're being ordained today, please kneel at this time. Let us pray for the elders and trustees. Dearest God, your word tells us that long ago you called people to your service. 
people recognized as spiritual leaders of the people. And we pray now for those kneeling before us, that as they feel the hands upon them, that they feel your spirit of power, of grace, and love. May this day be one in which they remember that they have been asked to fulfill a holy calling, not only within the walls of this congregation, not only while they sit on their respective boards, but now and for the rest of their life, they are an elder, a trustee within your church universal. May you equip them for the task of ministry ahead, that they seek to do your will both now and forever. Amen. And now a prayer for the deacons. God of grace, pour out your Holy Spirit on these deacons, that they may be faithful deacons in the church. Give them openness to the Holy Spirit's leading, that they may see and serve wherever there is need. Train them in the school of prayer, that they may express the compassion of Christ for the poor and for the friendless, for the sick, for the grieving, and for the troubled. Equip them with courage to bear the gospel into the halls of power and to communicate your presence and might among those who are powerless. In everything, give them the mind of Christ, who did not grasp at greatness, but emptied himself to become a servant of your reign. Give them joy in their walk of faith and a sure sense of your abiding presence for their work of ministry. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. My friends, you are now deacons, elders, and trustees in the Church of Jesus Christ and for this congregation. Be faithful in your ministry so that your whole life will bear witness to the love of Christ. Amen. Please greet each other. <laughs> Congratulations. As we gather ourselves as a community in prayer, excuse me, as we gather ourselves as a community in prayer, we also want you to have the opportunity to offer your personal prayers confidentially 
And so immediately following worship, a member of the prayer partners team will be available at the front of the sanctuary to pray with you. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Creator God, you made us and know us inside out. This morning, our hearts rejoice for everything we are and can be. You call us your masterpieces and have deposited such great potential in each of us. Thank you, God. Thank you not only for ourselves and our families, but also for our neighbors, our fellows here in worship in the sanctuary, our next-door neighbors at home, our colleagues at work and school, and the nation-states that share borders with this blessed land, the United States. God of all people, we also join our hearts with those of Christians around the world, remembering before you the South American nations of Bolivia, Brazil, Chile, and Peru. Thanks, Provider God, for their leaders and populations. These may be territories that we can neither see nor hear ourselves, but they aren't hidden from your view, omnipresent God. You provide food for the sparrow and water to the lily God. Would you graciously provide every need in these places? Jesus, our Prince of Peace, we ask that your nature of love, care, and compassion rest upon both the governing and the governed in these places. And may the fear of God pervade all spaces, cutting off all strife, darkness, and corruption. Almighty God, as world leaders congregate at the UN General Assembly to reflect on planetary progress, peace, and sustainability, may heaven's illumination be theirs. May violent conflict, entrenched positions, and polarization give way to singleness of purpose, love, and camaraderie. O oh God, may the piercing cries of the famished, the wearied steps of the asylum seeker, and the deafening explosions of the front lines find expression in the high-level meetings. May hearts be stirred, Lord, and may sustainable peace and prosperity come for all people. And as we turn our attention back to the space, God, help us to see our gifts and callings for what they are, avenues to build up others to be God's hands and feet wherever God has planted us. Spirit of God, for anyone in our midst who is at a crossroads in terms of touching a life or fulfilling their calling, re-energize them and help them to do God's will. And for those of us who need help ourselves, please send a helper. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Every Sunday, following our offering, we sing together these wonderful words. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. These words and this practice that precedes them serve to remind us that every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord, the giver of life, and they serve to reorient our own lives so that we reflect God's giving. So in the spirit of God's grace, let us now give back to God God's tithes and our offerings, and let us sing these words with all the breath that we can.
Let us pray. Loving God, we ask that you accept these, your tithes, and our offerings, given back to you as our response to your love and our recognition of your grace. Use them as you do your work in this, your world, and by your grace, allow us to be a part. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, amen. God is a God of liberation, and therefore God challenges us also to be people of liberation. But the way in which we approach it is important. An Australian Aborigine woman once said, if you've come to help me, then there's no need. But if you've come because your liberation is tied up with mine, then let us work together. Go forth with courage. Go forth remembering that God acts in history and use your might and use your outstretched arm to be a part of God's history of salvation for all. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious unto you. And may the Lord make his face to shine upon you from this moment on and give you peace forevermore. Amen.